So I'm going to say a few things and then I'm going to pray and then we'll dive into the message. Um, so last week, we've been in this series called The Spirit of Jesus. And uh, last week, I thought I was going to do a, a sermon on speaking in tongues, the, that particular gift. And, um, and I was on the way home from church last week. Yeah. I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you what happened to me last week. I mean, last week was awesome. God's done a whole lot of ministry the last few weeks. Um, I was here till about three or four o'clock last week praying for people. And after we were done, there was a guy standing over here, one of our ministry team guys, waiting to talk to me. And um, <laughs> I just thought he was helping empty the baptistry. And I just gave him a hug, like, going to give you a hug. I'm out. And I gave him a hug. And I was like, see you later, man. And he goes, Aaron. And I just was like, mm. and when he said my name, it like, it wasn't just him saying my name. There was a presence on it. I felt the Lord and I was like, Ugh. like, Ugh, what are you doing? And, uh, he said, I need to talk to you. And he turned and he, we were standing right over. He started just walking to me to talk to me. And I, this never happened to me before. I felt the presence so strongly on him that Involuntarily, I was like, oh, you do? And I just started backing up. And, and in my, my spirit was going, oh, crap. I'm about to get hit by the Lord. And I could feel it. It was crazy. And I was backing up. He's like, yeah. He's like, I've been in Michigan the last few days. He went up to a, uh, what do they call that? A Todd White thing. Lifestyle Christianity conference thing. And he drove that morning or through the night or something because he had a mission he was supposed to pray over the leadership different people including me so he came straight to church after driving like six hours he's like i've been at this and i saw his t-shirt which was from and i go you have and he's like yeah and i go oh and i was like and i heard the spirit say to me this man is about to change your destiny and i started weeping and he's probably wondering what's going on with him, you know, but he's like, yeah, and he just goes, I'm about, I'm supposed to pray for you, and I go, okay, and I just sat, I sat down, and I was weeping, he hadn't even said or done anything yet, and he starts praying for me, and after about five seconds of praying for me, the power of God hit me real, real strong, and I shook off my chair, onto the floor involuntarily by the way <laughs> and uh, he sat he got down and started praying over me and the Lord said I'm delivering you from fear doubt unbelief and worry and I was like I didn't know I had that but okay didn't know I had that but alright and as soon as I think that in my spirit or I hear the Lord say that in my spirit as soon as I hear it, Nate starts going, I renounce the doubt. I renounce the fear. I cast it out. I command it to leave. I break it off. I was like, oh my goodness. And then he prayed fire and the baptism of the spirit. And I got it again. And it was strong. It was intense. And I just lay there. I couldn't get up for about 15 minutes. And I was weeping. And the Lord, I started prophesying. The Lord was telling me stuff again. <laughs> I was like, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. 
It doesn't even matter. I kept saying that over and over. And uh, the Lord was just giving me a picture of the persecution that's coming my way. And uh, I said, it doesn't even matter. Jesus went to a cross. And I was thinking, you can crucify, they can crucify me upside down. I don't care. I just don't care anymore. I want Jesus. I want all of him. And as we've been talking about in this series, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the presence of Jesus. And that's what I was experiencing. That was Jesus touching me in a powerful way. Got up, I felt all weak and woozy and drove home, grabbed a bite to eat, got my kids, drove straight back and did some more ministry that night. <laughs> and uh, it's wild, man. But uh, I guess I experienced some deliverance. So that's what you would call sovereign deliverance. Meaning you don't talk through it. <laughs> What's bothering you? <laughs> it just... Ba-ba-boom. <laughs> Getting the devil off your back. You know, anybody can experience oppression. I've had people say to me about deliverance, which is a nice word for casting out demons or casting off demons, depending on the extremity of their hold on someone. Oh, how can darkness mix with light? How can a Christian have a demon? Well, I don't know, but scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give the devil a place in your life, a foothold. Why does Paul talk about we demolish strongholds? Strongholds are wrong patterns of thinking. They are not the actual demon, but that is how the demon has an attachment on you. So if you believe things that aren't of God, if you are in fear of things, or of God, and that's not the healthy fear of God, or fear of people, it's a stronghold. Because God says, don't fear, I'm with you, I'll take care of you, right? That's the truth, you need to trust that. So if you have wrong patterns of thinking, and more extreme versions are like, Jesus isn't God, you know, Buddhism is real, or Hinduism, or whatever, that's the true faith. That's a more extreme stronghold. Um, so there's differing levels, right? Christians can't be possessed in your spirit because possession has to do with ownership. So Jesus owns you as a Christian, but you can have demonic attachments, footholds, strongholds to varying degrees. And if you do, um, when you're challenged in those areas, those demonic influences can influence you in a much greater way because you're believing that lie or because you have fear in your life or whatever the case may be. I'm not preaching on deliverance. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. I guess because God's going to sovereignly deliver some of you today. And um, he just wants you to know what's happening when it happens so that you don't, you're not afraid. Um, you just let it happen because it's a profoundly good thing. You go down kind of shaky, maybe yelling a bit. You get up different <laughs> in a good way. You get up free. So I guess that's why.
Um, so, where was I? Yeah, that's a very brief overview of deliverance, I guess. So yes, Christians can be influenced, have strongholds, footholds, and, and Jesus doesn't want that. He wants you fully free. And um, it's one of the reasons praise and worship is so important. Um, one of the best forms of spiritual warfare is focusing on God, not even focusing on the devil. Now, there are times you need to focus on if you're so aff- afflicted and oppressed by those thoughts, negative thoughts or whatever, distracting thoughts that you can't focus on God, that you can't pray or read your Bible, that you can't worship, that's when you need to address that demon and say, in the name of Jesus, you are going to leave me alone right now. Even Jesus did that. Even Jesus said, Matthew 4, Luke 4, they're same account, but one of them includes the detail at the end. He says, away from me, Satan. Michael, the archangel, didn't cast a slur on the demonic beings, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. What's that mean? In the name of Jesus, be rebuked. Okay? So there are times you need to address it directly, and that works. And that's what we call deliverance um, when we do deliverance prayer sessions and whatnot. So anyways... um, I'm like, Lord, why am I saying all this? I don't know. He just wants some of y'all to know how this works, I guess. All right. Yeah, so anyways, last week I was powerfully touched again. I really didn't have time to process it because I had a prayer session that night for someone else. Uh, But I definitely felt the effects uh, to the rest of that week. You can be baptized in the Spirit many times as often as God wants to do it. (laughs) Ephesians 5.18 says, um, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. But the verb tense there, it means be constantly being filled with the Spirit. That's what that means. Uh, Be constantly being filled with the Spirit. It's the word picture of a sail on a ship that's constantly filled with wind. That's how God wants us to be, to be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I want to talk to you today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's where I was trying to get. Um, I was going to do a sermon on tongues. And as I was driving home after that experience last week, I was like, okay, I guess next week I'm speaking on tongues. And, and the Lord said, no, you're not. You're preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, well, alrighty then. I guess I'll pray into that this week. And I did and felt a lot of confirmation on it. So let me just pray because I feel like the Lord wants to baptize some of you in his Holy Spirit today. Uh, Baptism means immersion. And so we're supposed to get baptized in water, immersed in water when we place our faith in Christ. Um, But we're going to talk about the baptism of the Spirit, which is a different experience. It can happen before you get baptized in water. Acts 10, Cornelius. Peter's just preaching. Boom! Spirit falls. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. It can happen while you're getting baptized in water. We had that happen to someone a couple weeks, two or three weeks ago. Young lady got baptized. She came up shaking, yelling, and speaking in tongues. And it lasted about five minutes. She really got baptized in the spirit as she was being baptized in water. It's pretty cool. And obviously it can happen after uh, you get saved and accept Christ and get baptized in water. And so 
um, it's not a formula, but it is something that God wants you to experience. You can't make it happen, but you position yourself and you ask for it. And Jesus, uh, those two famous passages when he said, if your son asks for a stone, you know, or asks for bread, sorry, do you give him a stone? You know, if he asks for fish, do you give him a snake? No. Even though y'all are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does the Father in heaven, and in one account, he says, give good gifts to those who ask. And in the other account, it says, how much more does he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Okay? And so we should ask. And I'm kind of already getting into my message. I'll go ahead and tell you. Um, Spoiler alert. I feel like the Lord is in, today's message is an invitation. The Lord is inviting you to seek him for a baptism in his Holy Spirit. Especially if you've never experienced that before, or if you're thinking to yourself, I'm not sure if I've experienced that before. Because I've had some kind of really emotional, powerful moments with God. But was that a baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm not sure. But either way, if that's you, especially if that's you, Jesus is inviting you today to seek him for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to explain what what I mean by that um, today. So let's pray. And if you want to receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit, a filling, an immersion in Jesus, a supernatural experience with the power of God so that you know God's real, you receive power, gifts, things like that. That's what it's for. Uh, boldness, courage to be his witness. If you want to receive that today, just put your hands out in a receiving position and just just say this prayer with me. Just say, come Holy Spirit. Say, fill me today. Just tell him, I give you permission. Do what you want to do. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Some of you might be filled as I'm speaking today. That would be amazing. Just like Acts 10, Cornelius. And uh, if that's you and you're feeling like you're going to laugh or cry or whatever, just let it out. Okay, we'll celebrate with you that you got filled while I was speaking. How's that sound? How's that sound? Okay, all right. Sounds fun to me. It sounds fun, right? (laughs) So we've been in this series. Acts 16.7 says they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. We've been talking about how, who is the Holy Spirit? He's not an impersonal force. Scripture never refers to him that way. He is a person. He is the Spirit of Jesus. I like the KJV, calls it the Holy Ghost. Like if I said there's a ghost in this room, that gets a lot more real to us because we have a cultural understanding of what a ghost is. Like, ooh, that's a real like spirit of somebody. Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit, the ghost of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus. He has the character of Jesus. He has the mind of Jesus. They are one. So the Holy Spirit will never disagree with God's word and God's word would never disagree with the Holy Spirit, right? And so that's what we've been talking about. And we've been talking about how if we're going to be a church that honors Jesus fully, we can't just honor his word. We have to honor his presence. We have to honor the gifts, the power, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's why when we honor that, uh, Scripture tells us don't quench the Spirit. Don't forbid 
certain gifts of the Spirit, such as speaking in tongues, some of the more weird ones. You know, that's weird. I don't understand it. And Scripture's like, don't forbid it. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. And I believe when you quench the Spirit, you grieve the Spirit. Because he's sitting there going, oh, church could have been so much more fun today. Church could have been so much more powerful today. You walked in sad, depressed. You could have walked out free. But that church was, was quenching the spirit. And so you just heard a decent message. And that's all that happened. And he wants to do so much more. He wants to do so much more. And so we are a church that is learning the importance of not quenching the spirit. As Paul told Timothy, fan into flame that gift you got. Fan it into flame. Let it out. Share that gift. Let people experience that gift. And of any place, it might be kind of weird if you broke out in tongues at your workplace. Can we just admit that? But of any place where we should feel comfortable using the gifts God given us, it should be a church. Amen? And so we're learning to value that. So I want to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But first of all, I want to talk about Jesus. I want you to imagine that Michael Jordan was going to come speak at our church. And it was next, let's say it was next week. And I'm going to introduce him to you all. And I'm going to do it this week so that you get excited. So you come to church next week to hear Michael Jordan speak. And let's say you're from another country and this is your first week. You don't even know what basketball is. And so I'm trying to explain to you who Michael Jordan is and why it's so important that you come. But we only have so much time, so I'm going to be brief, right? You ever hear somebody be introduced like at an award show or, or at a conference and you don't really know who they are? What are they going to do? They're going to tell you who they are, but they're going to tell you some of their biggest accomplishments to give you an idea of this is how important you know this person is you really this is how much credibility they have you really need to listen to him and so if I were introducing Michael Jordan I would probably say hey he's won six NBA championships two three-peats I mean just just unheard of right just incredible unprecedented you know um, he has the highest to this day the highest scoring average per games played that's how efficient and powerful of an offensive player he was. He won defensive player of the year several times. You know, how many times was he an all-star in a row? It was just, it's just crazy, you know? But here's the deal. He's the GOAT. That's who he is. The greatest of all time. The greatest basketball player of all time is going to speak next week. And these are the things he's done. You need to show up, right? I'm introducing him, but I'm telling you in a very short manner the most important things that he's done. Well, there's a guy who introduced Jesus. His name is John the Baptist. And John came just before Jesus to introduce him to the country to get people ready so that they didn't miss Jesus when he came. And in that day and age, when a king was coming to a certain town or region, um, he would send like a herald in front of a herald who's like an ambassador, an official person, who would go in and like yell at everybody because they didn't have... Social, you didn't have social media. They didn't have any media. They didn't have newspapers, right? You just had to like, hey, listen up, everybody. The king is coming. The king is coming. Get ready, right? That's what John was. 
He was preparing the way. And he began doing ministry, calling people to repent of sins. Repent of sins. Confess, it says confessing their sins to John. They got baptized in water for the repentance of sins, the remission of sins, you know? Get, clean yourselves out. Get ready because the king is coming. And what's really, really fascinating, as I talk about the scriptures today, I want you to imagine you grew up on a desert island. You, did, you had no church experience. You found a Bible, and you just read it, and you believed it. And so throughout the Old Testament, you start hearing about there's going to be one born of a virgin. The government will be on his shoulders. He's the Messiah. He's going to be like Savior of the world. He's kind of like God in the flesh. It's, it's amazing. And you're like, wow, this is incredible. And then you hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it's like, he's here. This is him. Oh, my. And this John the Baptist guy, he's been prophesied for 700 years prior that he's coming. He's the one preparing the way. This is amazing. Now, imagine again. You have no church experience. You don't, you've, you just know what you know from the Old Testament about this Messiah that's coming. And you read what John says to introduce Jesus. He's coming. And let me tell you who he is and what he's going to do. And this is what John says in Mark 1, 6 and 7. It says, John made, wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. This was his message. This means that crowd after crowd, crowds would come to John. They would experience his message. They would go home. Another crowd would come, right? And it's saying he taught many things, but this was the consistent message he was always telling people over and over and over and over again. This was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. He's saying I'm not even worthy to wash Jesus' feet. And he's more powerful than me. And listen to how he introduces him. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, this was a culture, if you had just grown up on Desert Island and read the Old Testament, the only reference you would have for that is when the Spirit came on people in power in the Old Testament. And sometimes they did weird things. It says Saul stripped off all of his clothes and laid face down and prophesied. Because the Spirit came on him. Why, why do people do that when the Spirit comes on him? I don't know. <laughs> Y'all get nervous. <laughs> you said you're going to baptize him. Oh, boy. Elijah's Spirit comes on him. Elisha's Spirit comes on him. Miracles break out. Axe heads float. Samson's Spirit comes on him, and he defeats all these people, and he, he, he lifts up the gates, the bars of the city. Supernatural strength, Right? That would be the reference. So supernatural stuff. Supernatural. That would be your context. That would, if you didn't grow up in America in secular humanistic atheism, that would be what you're thinking, right? Whoa, this is supernatural stuff. This is like God, a spirit, power. Wow. And this is how you'll know the Messiah. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to be immersed totally immersed, the same as someone gets all the way down in water, I'm going to get that in the Holy Spirit, whatever that is, from this guy, Jesus. But isn't that interesting? That's how Jesus is introduced. And how many of us who grew up in American church ever heard Jesus as the one who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit? Right? 
because it's such a teaching that is neglected uh, in our culture. And yet Matthew says, John says the same thing, only he adds another detail. He'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Ooh, that's fun. Luke 3.16, same thing. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. John identified Jesus two ways. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Isn't that interesting? Jesus taught when we believe in him, we're supposed to get baptized in water. But John's like, yeah, that's great. You're going to know him as the one who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Baptizes you. It means you're filled from the inside out, filled to overflowing. And when it overflows, get, you're all immersed in it. You're, you're so immersed in God, it's an unmistakable marking experience. And you're just like, that was God. I don't even know what was happening. I don't even know what I was saying. I don't even know. I had this dream. I had this vision. I had this thing. I was prophesying. I was speaking in tongues. I was crying. I was laughing. I was shaking. Whatever, whatever happens. But you're just like, God is in this place. God is real. And it opens up something in you because it, it bestows the gifts of, of the Holy Spirit. And it empowers. It's like it turns those gifts on. It activates them. The, that's what the baptism does as well. And so Jesus is known as the one who will do that to people. Isn't that cool? So imagine you keep reading and you hit John 16, 7. And again, you're, you're reading this story about this Messiah and, and Jesus. You're like, that's him. He's the one. And he says, but very truly, I tell you, it's for your good. I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. So it's like, okay, so the Savior's here. He's going to go away, but then he's going to send the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay, that probably has to do with his main thing that John the Baptist said he would do. But then you keep reading the story, right? It's the first time you've ever read it, Desert Island. And you're like, oh, no, he gets killed. This is terrible. And you would probably be thinking, he, he did miracles, he walked on water, but he didn't do that thing that John said he's going to be most known for, that he's going to do to everybody. He didn't baptize anybody in the Holy Spirit yet. He can't die yet, right? But then on the first day of week, very early, he rises. You're like, oh, he's alive again. This is such good news. This is such good news. And then you keep reading, and you hit the book of Acts, which is really a continuation of the book of Luke, because it's the same author And then you read this in the book of Acts. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're reading that, you'd be like, oh, here it is. And he says in a few days, he's about to do it. It's about to happen. It says, then the disciples gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, give Israel her power back as a nation so we're not subversive, subverted by Rome, you know, so we're not underneath Rome. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. See, their minds were on worldly things still. Worldly power. And he rebukes them and says, that's not the focus. Focus on what I'm telling you. It's the most important thing, the main thing. Remember how John introduced me and what he said I would do? Forget about worldly power. You're going to receive supernatural power of God when this Holy Spirit comes on you 
He's talking about in a few days, you're going to be baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing, all synonymous terms. It says, this was their response. And I want you to notice their response today. It's very important to this command of Jesus. Verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were, and it lists all the disciples, minus Judas Iscariot. And then verse 14, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. With his brothers. Mm -hmm. His brothers who once mocked him. His brothers who once didn't believe. His brothers who once came to stop him because they thought he was out of his mind. I want to comfort some of you. If you're part of this church family, if this is your church, I know some of you might be visiting, you might still be deciding, but if this is your church, um, you will eventually be persecuted by some well-meaning Christians who don't understand the Holy Spirit because they haven't had experiences with the Spirit. And it's, it can be hurtful, it can be challenging. It is, uh, there, there are... There's spiritual warfare that is behind it and goes on with it. So it's more than just a person making fun of you or persecuting you. Um, So it can be difficult to endure. But I want to encourage you the word of comfort today that his brothers did that to him, Jesus. After the resurrection, they believed. Even before Pentecost. So I believe that when he appeared to all those people, he appeared to his brothers. And they, they were like, all right. We're in. And so they're there in the upper room. The people who once made fun of him and his disciples now are believers. Fruit wins. Wisdom is proved right by all her children, Jesus said. You, you focus on God. You bear the fruit of God. And when they see you get filled with the Spirit and all you want to do is read Scripture, all you want to do is pray, all you want to do is be a Jesus freak and share your faith, Eventually, your critics will see the fruit, and your fruit will silence the ignorant talk of foolish people, and they'll come around. Now, it's going to take time, but I say that to encourage you, and the Lord was encouraging me with that this week. So, his brothers were there. They all joined together. I want you to imagine, though, that they did not believe the importance of They didn't believe the importance of what Jesus told them to do, to wait. That was his command, wait, wait on this. Don't do anything until this happens. I want you to imagine, though, that they didn't value that. They didn't honor his word. Let's say that they thought it was supernatural and weird, so they didn't get it. So they just devalued it. They didn't think it was that important. Now, they still believed in Jesus, and they wanted to fulfill the Great Commission. How do you think they would have responded if they chose not to wait? I think... I think I have a pretty good idea of what would have happened. I think they would have not went to the upper room to pray. They would have went to a conference room to plan. And they would have got in there, and they probably would have been like, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, guys. So we need a plan to reach the whole world. And they probably would have had some real good planning meetings. How are we going to reach the world? We need a good strategy. We need a vision. Without a vision, people perish. Strategic vision to reach the world with the gospel, the Great Commission. Every, everybody needs to know it. 
So let's say at this time, you know, in history, let's say there was a thousand major cities in the world. We need a thousand church planters to go into every major city. And then they'll plant churches there and it'll spread from there to all the smaller regions. That's a good strategy, guys. Let's do it, right? Okay, we need a thousand guys, recruit, train them up. Now we're gonna have to pay these guys for at least three years to get them off and going. So how much is it gonna cost to pay a thousand church planters over three years? Uh, Let's just guess, you know, average salaries in modern day, let's say $200 million. Okay, step one, we need to fundraise $200 million. So we can hire a thousand guys to go to the major cities of the world and start churches. And then I guess suppose they would have set out and tried to do that, doing their fundraising uh, tours. And uh, after three to five years, get burnt out because nobody's giving, because no one knows Jesus yet. So no one cares about what they're trying to do. So they get burnt out, they, they fail, they quit, they go back to fishing. Maybe there's some bitterness, like, Lord, you said you know, you'd be with us, and I just don't see you doing what you said you were going to do. And I was out there trying to make, raise money so that I could do what you said, and it wasn't working. And See, I don't think we have to imagine too much what happens when we ignore Jesus' command. To not do too much till you wait and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because that pretty much sums up a whole lot of church leadership meetings that I've been in and different conferences and different pastors gatherings that I've been to over the last 15, 20 years. How are we going to evangelize the world? We need a good strategy. Let's start planning. I'm like, we haven't even prayed yet. The baptism of the Spirit is what empowers you with boldness and courage and gifts, very real gifts, and an anointing that cuts, powers your words, that cuts people to the heart so that you can be a witness of Jesus. And so if you ignore this, you are setting yourself up for a whole lot of work for Jesus that won't be very fruitful. And then that'll set you up to get better towards God. And the whole time he's going to be going, you didn't seek me for what I promised to give you. If we want to see the power of God return to the church, we have to get our minds off of seeking worldly power by worldly means. We have to stop seeking to do God's will in our own ways with our own wisdom. We have to stop having planning meetings Start having prayer meetings. We need to get out of the conference rooms and back into the upper rooms. Wait on God. Seek his face till he pours out his spirit. And then, by the spirit, we'll know what to do. God wants us to have a plan and strategy. But it's a spirit-filled and led and empowered plan and strategy. Go read the book of Acts. The spirit said, now set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them. The Spirit said, you're not going into Asia yet. You're going to Macedonia. Pay attention to that dream that you had. There's a man begging you. I'm not letting you go here. Jeez, I wonder what you're supposed to do. Listen to me. Why did they keep wanting to go into Asia? Probably made the most sense in the wisdom of the world. And the Spirit said, I know that, but I don't want you to do that. I'm shutting that door for now. Go to Macedonia. And so we've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. And that means we need to know his voice. 
And this baptism experience will help you, kind of sets you off uh, on the right foot in that direction. And so I feel compelled to tell you that Today, Jesus is inviting you to seek him for a baptism of the Spirit. Now, we're going to have a ministry time at the end where we ask for that and go after that. But if you, if you don't experience that today, I'm telling you, Jesus is inviting you to start seeking him for it. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 and 14 verse 1 says, Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. How do you get spiritual gifts? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's when they get, that's when you receive them. That's when they get empowered in your life. That word eagerly desire, the KJV renders it covet earnestly. Spiritual gifts. It means to burn with zeal or passion. It means to desire earnestly, to strive after, to strive after this, to pursue, to busy oneself about, to exert one's self for. What is it saying? It's God's invitation. God has promised you something, a baptism filling of his spirit, and that's an, the promise is an invitation to experience it. How many of you know there's a, there's a ton of other promises in scripture, but that doesn't mean you experience them. You experience them by pursuing Jesus and living according to his word. And as you do that, in time, you'll experience the promises of God coming to fulfillment. And the baptism's no different. Now, we know what happens. They seek him. They, they don't go to a conference room to plan. They go to the upper room to pray. They seek him for 10 days. By the way, they didn't say, we're going to do a 10, 10 days of prayer to seek the Lord. No, they said, we're praying until it happens. Isn't that interesting? Whether it's 10 days or 100 or 1,000, we're praying until it happens. Now, it happened to be, it was 10 days. Because I think when you have that attitude, I'm going after God till this happens. I'm going after God till I receive what he's promised. I think the Lord goes, all right. Your prayer's done its work. And I think he moves a little sooner in those cases. And so they're praying. He pours out the spirit. We all know what happens. It's Pentecost. You can read the account. They speak in tongues. They, they hear the sound, supernatural sound. They see flames of fire over their heads, supernatural visions, and they speak in tongues. And they prophesy. Peter preaches a sermon. 3,000 people get saved and baptized. And he says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's the promise. He's like, you can have this too. This isn't just for us apostles. Now, there's a lot of modern pastors and scholars today who say that um, the Pentecost was a great thing, obviously. They believe it. It happened. But it was a special thing God did in history. It was like, it was like the parting of the Red Sea. You know, that was awesome. We, we believe it happened. Celebrate it. Amazing thing. But God's not going to do that again, right? We're not going to go to the Red Sea and expect him to part it, right? That was something he did special to Moses He's not going to do that anymore. And there's a lot of modern pastors and scholars who think that Pentecost is that way. It was great. We celebrate it every year, Pentecost Sunday. But we don't expect God to do that to us. This was something special he did to the original apostles and disciples. Now, I understand why they have that view, because they've not experienced it. And they run in circles of people of the same mindset who've never experienced it. 
And so their own confirmation bias causes them to see Scripture the way they've always seen it. (laughs) And then they come up with theories about why they've never experienced it. Oh, it's probably because God doesn't do that anymore. Now, the only problem I have with that view of, of Scripture and of how this works is the Bible. So imagine you're on a desert island. You read about Pentecost, and you keep reading. And here's the question. Did the original apostles think, now this was just for us, guys? Or did they think it was for everybody? Well, we get to Acts chapter 8. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, the gospel about Jesus, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, we know that Paul writes in Ephesians that when you believe, you receive the Holy Spirit in you the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. It's like being reborn. You're born again. You're a believer. You're a Christian. You're a new creation, right? That's what happens when you believe, when you accept Christ, right? The baptism's different. That's the Spirit coming on you and power filling you with anointing power gifts, okay? So that hadn't happened yet. Now, why do they know that that hadn't happened yet? Because when the Spirit fills someone, let me say it this way. If you stick your finger in an electric socket, are you going to react? Are are people around you going to know that your finger's in an electric socket? Or are they going to be like, why is he, what's he doing over there? Why is his finger? No, they're going to be, you're going to be like, they're like, his finger's in the socket, get it out, right? He was filled with electricity. (laughs) And they knew it because they saw it. When the almighty God of the universe touches you with power, when he fills you, you know it. You know it. There's an expression, outward expression. And I'll tell you this here in a minute when we pray. When you're feeling an outward expression coming on, if you suppress that, you'll, you'll quench what the Spirit's doing. And so I'll coach you through that here in a minute. Whatever you're experiencing as we pray together, let it out. Let it out. Let Him fill you and express it. And I'll explain why that's important here in a minute. So they ha- it hadn't happened yet. All these new believers getting baptized into Jesus but they hadn't been filled with spirit yet. So Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit, meaning they got filled. When Simon saw that the spirit was given, now how did he see? Most likely, we can rather reasonably assume they were speaking in tongues and prophesying and who knows what else they were doing. But it was a little rowdy because when people get filled with the spirit, it gets there's outward expressions, just like during worship. People are cheering. People are doing things, right? It's, just, it's a similar thing. So this guy, Simon, saw that the Spirit was given through the apostles laying on of hands. He offered them money and said, give me this ability so that everyone on whom I may lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered him, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. And he says in verse 23, for I see you're full of bitterness and captive to sin. 
So he asked for the filling of the Spirit so that he can do it too, so he can impart it too. And Peter says, no. Why? Really bad motives. So apparently there's, there are things that even if you're like, give it to me, God, fill me with the Spirit. Nothing happens. Some people, that happens, they go, see, God's not real. <laughs> and that's probably why you didn't get it. Because you weren't surrendered to him. You were testing him. There are things that can limit. This isn't a vending machine. God's a person. And he chooses who gets what. He chooses what you experience when you get filled. He chooses what gifts you give. Sometimes he chooses how you express yourself. (laughs) I think that's funny. That's why I laughed. Y'all are like, you're freaking me out. Well, I pray you have some cool experiences where it doesn't freak you out anymore. And you think it's funny too. (sighs) Jesus. Um, So then... Acts 19, Apostle Paul takes the road to Ephesus. He found some disciples there. Interesting, first question he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Something's off about these believers. They're not too expressive. I don't, I don't see or hear the gifts being used. Nobody's prophesying. Nobody's speaking in tongues. Hmm. I don't see a whole lot of encouragement. That's a gift of the Spirit too. There's, there's something off here. Did you all get filled with the Spirit? We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Well, that's a problem. Preaches the gospel. You need to believe in Jesus. They get baptized, lays his hands on them. They get filled with the Spirit. And, they, and it does say they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So that's interesting. And that, by the way, is the most often thing people did in Scripture when they got filled with the Spirit. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. That's not always what happens. It's other times it says they were boldness and they shared the word of God more boldly when they were filled with the Spirit. And so that's not the only sign. You can be filled with the Spirit and not speak in tongues. That is a thing. That is possible. Okay? You can have dreams and visions. You can just be profoundly emotional for a whole lot of reasons, right? There's a lot of different things that can happen when you're filled with the Spirit. Um, so my point is, the original apostles believed this is for everyone. Peter and John, going from Jerusalem to Samaria, it would have taken them about 11 hours in their day. 11-hour journey. People are already saved getting baptized. They believed it was so important. We're going to make a whole day's journey just to go lay hands on them so they get filled, so they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That would be like me hearing about someone from our church who moved to Destin, Florida, and their revival broke out from them sharing their faith, and they're baptizing maybe several hundred people, and they tell me about it, and I don't just go, well, good for you. Keep up the good work. No. Have they been filled yet? Well, I'm not sure. You're not sure. I'm coming down there. They need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I drive down there, and we have a service where impartation, we're going to pray and lay hands, and you get filled with the Holy Spirit, because it's really important, because you need empowered. And it just connects you with God in a special way, and you have a greater intimacy. I don't know how to explain it, but you have a greater personal connection and you know that you know that the spirit bears witness to your spirit. And, uh, and then you want to read scripture for your, and it it actually makes you more hungry for the Bible because you go, the Bible's really real. Now I really want to dig in and read it. And so it, it, it validates scripture and it, and it makes you even more hungry for the word of God. So it's not word or spirit, it's word and spirit. And I simply want to point out a modern day preacher, pastor, Who sounds more similar to the apostles I just described to you? By the way, all of them spoke in tongues. 
And the Apostle Paul said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So who sounds more similar in our day and age? A pastor who preaches the Bible and says, read the Bible, just read the Bible, stay away from that Holy Spirit stuff, don't speak in tongues, that's weird, uh, we don't do that stuff here, uh, God doesn't do that. Just read the Bible, it's just about scripture. That guy, or the guy that goes, and he preaches the gospel, life, death, and resurrection, Jesus, get saved, get baptized in water, take communion, right? Then there's this guy over here who says, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, get saved, get baptized in water, take communion, and receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, and use them, and prophesy, and speak in tongues, and let's pray to heal people, and let's do deliverance, and cast out demons. Which one sounds more like the original apostles in the Bible? This guy's not wrong. He's just only got about half of what scripture says that we're called to have, right? And so we bless these guys. They're brothers and sisters in the kingdom, and even when they misunderstand and persecute us, we bless, we bless them. They just don't know. We keep praying for them. Until, how did Jesus treat his brothers? He didn't get into the arguments with them. Probably prayed for them a lot. And eventually they came around and they were in the upper room. And so, just pray for them. But I'm just asking you all, maybe some of those who are wrestling. Pastor spoke in tongues the last two weeks. I'm really wrestling with this. Which one sounds more like the leaders in Scripture? The church was born speaking in tongues. And all the early apostles, all the early church leaders were charismatic guys. Just think about that. All right. So we're going to pray for the baptism filling of the Spirit. It's going to be one of the regular things. We're going to do this regularly as a church from time to time. um, Because we want to always go after salvation, which includes baptism in water, as an act, uh, displaying that. Healing, praying for healing over people, physical healing, emotional, mental healing. Deliverance, right? Getting, getting oppression off of people. Counsel and guidance, people always need that. And the filling and baptism of the Spirit. Those, those are like the five things that people need, and those are the five things we're going to go after as a church and always make available uh, to people. And so today, we just want to end in a prayer time. Um, and we're going to take our time here and, and spend some time here and, and just pray together and ask the Lord to, to visit us in a special way and to just fill you with the Spirit. Um, so yeah, if you guys just want to stand and you want to put some music, prayer music on. And if you're on our ministry team, if you would come up along the front, because after we're done praying, I'm going to invite people up to um, get more prayer over certain things. So I'm just going to open in prayer, and I'm going to ask the Lord to start moving and filling you. Um, as I mentioned last week, the Lord told me a few weeks ago to, to pray in tongues over the church for three weeks in a row. So I'm going to do that as well. Uh, I believe as I'm praying, some of you are going to get filled with the Spirit as I'm praying. Some of you as I'm praying in tongues. Um, others of you, it's going to start something in you. And, uh, and we're going to invite you up to come up and receive more prayer. And just want to give the Lord an opportunity here. Yeah, and as I'm praying, I'm probably I'm probably going to start calling out some things as well that the Lord is wanting to pour out. So if you just want to join me in prayer. and uh, I just really want you to, again, if you want to receive the fullness of the Spirit, just put your hands out and just invite Him to, to do what He wants to do. And, oh, that's what I was going to say. Um, sorry. Um, 
the, the greatest posture is one of surrender. Lord, give me whatever you want to give me. I'm surrendered. And if you don't give me a gift that I really wanted, I'm okay with that. I'll use what you gave me. I'll be thankful for the experience you gave me and the gift you gave me. Some people, they, they're like, okay, I guess I'll go along with this, but I don't want speaking in tongues. It's weird. I don't want this one. I don't want that one. Okay, it's going to limit your experience. What you're really saying is, God, I get to choose. God, I don't want all of you, whatever that means. Surrender. Trust him, okay? And uh, I want to say, too, it's okay if nothing happens to you. Maybe today's not your day. Maybe you've been filled already. Maybe you're not ready yet. And so it's okay. I've been in a lot of settings where I get prayed for to be filled, and it doesn't seem like anything really happens, okay? So that's okay, too. And the last thing I want to say is, as I'm praying, the Spirit's going to begin filling some of you. And as He does, depending on how He's filling you, you're going to have a reaction. Some of you might start feeling like you're going to cry for various reasons. Maybe you're feeling His conviction, His holiness. Maybe it's tears of joy. Some of you might start feeling like you're going to laugh because He's filling you with the joy of the Lord. Some of you might start trembling a little bit. Some of you might feel like you're going to explode. And I just want to shout for praise, shout for joy. Or shout a war cry of victory over the enemy. I just want to yell. I just want to scream, right? Some of you might be being filled with peace. And you're just like, ooh, I feel like I'm in a massage parlor. I need to sit down. Like, whoa. Depends what he's filling you with. But if you're feeling like laughing, crying, yelling, here's, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Let it out. Let it out. Do not quench the spirit. Let it out. This is a time we're setting aside to let it out. Okay? And so it might get kind of loud in here. You might hear people laughing, crying, yelling. That's good. And here's my experience. Whatever the spirit's doing in you, as you let it out, as you let it out, I don't know how this works, but it releases more of the spirit's presence and I get filled more, and they get filled more, and the people around you get filled more. Just like if the Spirit fills me with a revelation, teaching revelation, if I hold that into myself, nobody else gets filled with that. Nobody else gets blessed by that. But if I release it, you get filled. You get blessed, right? And so let it out. When the apostles laid their hands, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. It was a spontaneous thing, like, whoa. And so some of you might feel something coming on. You're not sure what it is. You just feel the Lord a lot, and you start kind of mumbling. Let it out, all right? Okay. All right, let's pray. Just hold your hands out and repeat after me. Say, Holy Spirit, come. Yes, Lord, have your way in this place. Oh, fill these people, God, with your goodness, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Fill this place. Fill this place. Fill this place. Fill these people. Holy Spirit, come. Yes, God. Holy Spirit, come. Fall on these people. Fall on this place. Kasa shia mononosha pochota isa shaka chata isa shanana. 
Come on, no, someone, no, someone, no, someone, no, someone, no, someone, no. Yes, God. Cause she ata, someone, no, she dia se shata. Yes, God. He's filling you with peace right now. He's filling you with peace. Yes, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pour out your peace in this place, God. Yes, Lord. Pour out your joy in this place. He's pouring out joy in this place. Yes, God, pour out your joy. Fill them with your joy today, God. Yes, Lord, pour out your faith, God. Faith for more. Faith to use the gifts. Faith to let it out. Yes, God, we renounce fear of man. We command it to leave. We, re- we, we command it off these people, God. Fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Yes, God. If you're feeling his presence, if you, if you, if you pray in tongues and you want to let that out, just let it out. Let it out right now. Let it out. If you're feeling led to shout, if praise, cry, laugh, let it out. Yes, God. Feel these people. Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Lord. Firefall. Yes, Lord, come in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Fill these people. Yes, God. Holy Spirit, come. 